So welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. Today, Amy said she had a question that she wanted to ask me, which means it's a question we're going to ask you. So Amy, go ahead. So this week, I actually saw a video on social media. Some good things can come from Instagram. And it was a, a spiritual teacher, and he was giving an, an analogy of life. He was saying that in our lives, it's like we're building sandcastles on the beach. We're like building these beautiful, intricate sandcastles. But as we're building the castles, we can see the wave of time coming towards us. It hasn't crashed our sandcastle out yet, but we can see it coming. It's constant and it's moving towards us. And we continue to build. And as the wave gets closer, we get a little bit more anxious. Maybe we build like a moat around our castle. And as the wave gets closer, we get more nervous. And maybe we build a wall. But that wave keeps coming. And in the end, the wave will always crash and take away everything that we've built in the sand. And it really hit me for two reasons. One, it just immediately reminded me of Jesus saying that you should not build your house on the sand. And I don't know if he was really making the same point, but um, it really just kind of struck me that it was a similar analogy and that, yeah, I mean, I think I'm interested to get into it with you, but I think when Jesus said, like, the foolish man builds his house upon the sand, I always took that more about faith and the relationship between the man and God and the sand being kind of like a shallow faith. But I had never considered it as a possible analogy for our life. And are we building our life on something solid or are we building our life on something temporary? And then the other reason that it hit me was it just made me think of so many of my peers who are building their castles. And I'm not saying that I'm exempt from that. Like I'm also building my sand castle, but I feel like somehow in this life, I've gotten a lucky break where I'm not in the same rat race, the same daily grind that so many of my peers find themselves in. I actually live in an intentional spiritual community. Um, so I live and work from home and I'm surrounded by people who are also kind of putting their spiritual practice first. So we don't really have the same kind of Monday gloom that so many of my peers express to me. And I feel like so many of my friends um, call me and text me, Snapchat me from work and they're just bored. They're just really bored and they're just really disappointed that life has become a kind of cycle of commuting, working, lunch, commuting, going home, watching TV, paying student loans, going to sleep, repeat. And yeah, I, I, I wonder as a friend, how I reach out to those people and how I support those people. And also as a hopeful future minister, as I make my way through ministerial school, I think I was raised in a home where you, as a minister, didn't have the same normal kind of rat race, daily grind workflow that so many of my friends' parents had. 
Um, so I really always joke that I had two stay-at-home parents growing up. And then I feel like I have managed to create a life that's actually very similar to that in terms of lifestyle. And so as a spiritual leader, how do you connect with your congregants who actually do live a fairly different lifestyle than you do? So yeah, I guess those are kind of the three things. The the sandcastle that we're building as time crashes towards us, how that relates to Jesus saying, a foolish man builds his house upon the sand, and how we can use the lessons from those stories to either soften or potentially change the challenges of the modern American work-life balance. Well, I am thinking that the majority of folks that are listening um, understand that and know that rat race and the idea that at some point time is going to come and wash away the majority of things that we do. Uh, When I went to college, there was a phrase that's that was pretty common that we would always say. I don't know if people ever say it ever now, but we used to say, well, in a hundred years, nobody's going to care about this anyway. You know? Um, and that was pretty popular then to say, you know, let's not fret so much about, you know, how we do this because a thousand years from now, nobody cares. Yeah. You know, and that's that idea that time is going to wash away most of our life. Yeah. Yeah. So is that yeah. depressing or is that okay? You know, I, when you first talk about the sandcastles, yeah. my mind goes in two different ways because I go in two opposite directions. The first direction I go into is not what you intended, um, but I go into, but yeah. But playing in the sand is so awesome. And creating the castle or the village or the condo or or the creation of art in that sand is absolutely wonderful. That creating moment and and just sheer joy of of making something that's yours is is wonderful even knowing that that wave is coming Mm -hmm. well and i don't want to interrupt you because i think you're going somewhere but i just want to put a point on that to come back to what if the experience isn't super wonderful like that's what i'm describing for a lot of millennials kind of stuck in the office right right so so that's what i want to hold on to yeah because i think that's the key Mm -hmm. is that whether we're doing something temporary or eternal it ought to be meaningful to us it ought to be something that brings us joy something that brings us meaning something that brings us purpose something that there's a reason to do it otherwise it's pretty dumb to be doing something that you hate knowing that time's just going to wipe that out anyway yeah that's yeah. And exactly. and a good good Protestant would say that's work. That's why they call it work. Yeah. You know? But if you're honestly working in such a way that you get no joy or meaning or purpose out of what you do, I feel sad. Yeah. I feel really sad. 
You know, yeah. I'm hoping you're getting paid lots of money for doing that. And it's the money that allows you to find joy and purpose and meaning. And so you can say, all right, I'll do this 60 hours as a sacrifice so that I can enjoy 40 hours. But I know many people that are not. (laughs) Right. I guess that's a trade-off, but, but if you're not getting money, Um, which allows you to do other things that you might enjoy um, or have purpose and you're not getting any joy or purpose or meaning out of what you do. I don't think that's living, you know, your, your choice, but I'm sad for you. But then what does that person do? Um, I mean, I think that's where you and I are so lucky, right? But what is that? I hate to keep quoting Andrew in these things, (laughs) but. But I loved it that when Andrew said, I'm going to figure out what I love to do, and then I'm going to figure out how to make money at it. Yeah. That was brilliant, I thought. Yeah. But I mean, do, is that, is that, I mean, it's a whole conversation, but I mean, is that just a result of privilege? You know? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he was able to make that, but, I'm, but yeah. there were sacrifices he had to make to do that as well, you know? Um but sure. So, but, and I don't, I mean, this is, this is like all tangential to what you were wanted to talk about the, the sand, the sand <laughs> and the rock, but, but let's stick with this for a minute. Um, I get confused um, yeah. on all the trips you guys have took, but yeah. you went to Salvador? No, Ecuador, Ecuador. Ecuador. You went yeah. to Ecuador. Same as on the Capri. Um, those people. Okay, that's my problem. I thought you went to two different places, and I <laughs> knew she went to Ecuador. All right, so you did too. All right. Yeah. Um, the people you you came back with a with a yeah. feeling that those people who didn't have money, yeah. who didn't have a whole lot of resources, have found some way to live in that they were happy. Yes. That they had a certain amount of joy, even though their life was very limited and very hard. Yes. Right? Similar in India. Similar in India. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And a similar experience in a lot of places. So so not so being privileged does not necessarily mean being happy and fulfilled. No, definitely not. Right? Right. So I guess what I was saying with the privilege was just like Andrew, that's a quite, it's a quite privileged place to be where you can say, let me figure out what I love and then how I can make money. From Absolutely. It. Because some, some people don't have the, the space, the support from home, right. the safety right. net of um, a place to go back to, the emotional uh, like right. safety net um, right. to have that time to even consider what it is that they like right. to do. Like you know? my, gran- my grandfather wanted to be a minister. Right. But his father died. Right. He had to go to work. He couldn't. He, at least in his moment, couldn't figure out how to get the resources and the time to go to college and then seminary to become a minister. So he went to work in the shop. Um, He was not privileged to take that time to explore he had to work he had to bring money in to support the family yeah but in that process he still chose things that brought him meaning and life in i guess i guess that's what i'm saying about the sandcastle yeah um well and i love that perspective that you brought up that like 
just the idea, like, it makes me realize why Carol married you. Because, like, just the fact that you would hear that story and you would immediately think, but it's so fun to play in the sand. Right. right. Like, you really are right. just, like, a fun-loving person. So, like, that perspective mean, would have never been occurred to me. as well. Yeah, yeah, I know. Not but just I mean, play, but meaning. Yeah, yeah so, joy, joyful, and, joyful. Right. And, and even with the wave imminently coming, mm-hmm. that first increases my joy because I creatively try to figure out a way to build something that will save my city. Right. So I right. will dig a trench, like bigger than the city. <laughs> this is why you're like, you're not a normal human because like, I can just see me and Anna Capri. I mean, I just rolled my eyes, but I can feel Anna Capri's eyes rolling because like, she and I, like, we're building trenches all the time because we're in so much anxiety. Yeah. Like, our trenches are built to, like, save us from, like, car repairs and student loan, right. like, forbearance okay. and, uh, like, the myriad of cancers we've convinced ourselves okay. that we have, even though we have no actual yep. symptoms. You know? So, like, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> you have such a unique perspective. It reminds me of like when I was young and I was struggling with dating and I said to you like, but I just can't figure out how to attract a partner. I can't figure okay. out how to do this dating thing. And you said like, yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. When I walk into a room, I just assume everyone in the room likes me. <laughs> and it's just like, you're, sometimes your perspective is just so different. <laughs> Yeah, I did have to go to counseling for that, but <laughs> because not only did I think people liked me, I thought they should adore me. Um, so I had to work on that. Um, and I know people don't like me, but <laughs> but I also I also have learned not to waste my time with that. Mm -hmm. I used to work really hard to make people like me and would have to sell myself out to do that. You know, life's not worth it. You know, it's life is meant to be mean. Like I want to say joyful, but what I mean is have meaning, you know, because I do believe privilege gives you more opportunity for joy. Although, as we just said, that's not been our experience, you know, I think purpose is what matters. Um, That if I do things for a purpose, if I do them because they matter, and that can simply be it matters to me. You know, if I'm the only one who wants napkins folded in such a fun, creative way, that somebody might do it, make a rose out of a napkin. If I'm the only one who wants that mm-hmm. at a dinner party, I should do that. And if I'm the only one yeah. who gets joy out of that, that's okay. You know, I, for me, building on the rock means doing things that matter now. That's playing with the sandcastle that will also matter in the future. Um, That's building on the rock. Spend most of my energy, my worry, my physical strength, my mental anguish, my stick-to-itiveness on things that, that matter to me, 
that I think will matter to someone else. And that brings me joy or purpose or meaning. And and ultimately, if, if what I'm doing doesn't do that, then I ought to change what I'm doing. Right. I think I, this is similar for me to the the podcast we did about, um, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah. Like, for me, this is one of those questions that I have not really heard an answer that I like. Okay. To. Well, I'm not going to fall into this trap again. I'm going to come up with a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the deeper that what I have seen anyway, and has been my experience and what I've seen a lot with others, the deeper that people go into spiritual life, especially if it's sparked like, I don't know, like that time of renewal, right? That people have when they may be going through a transition or something traumatic has happened to them or in adulthood, when you really dive deep into a spiritual practice. For me, it was really, I mean, it was multiple experiences, but one of them recently was when I first read Romans in your Bible study. And I was like, holy mackerel, like, we got to do something about this, right? Like I really heard Paul's words and it felt really urgent to me. And a lot of people um, in the yoga community have that experience. And they say like, how do I do this then? Because they feel this sudden need to dive head over heels completely into their spiritual practice. They have this clarity about the sandcastle, about time coming, about how they're uh, actually a spiritual being just having a physical experience that their identity is not as intertwined with this body as they had originally thought that there is like a higher identity and a higher purpose and a higher connection for them and they are currently working a really important job or a really boring job or they have three kids or they have this big mortgage or they have and I was lucky enough that when I had some of these big spiritual realizations, I was in a position where I could just kind of give it all up. Right. I mean, not all of it. I still pay my student loan bill every month. Um, You know, I still have to. Not everybody who who goes through a spiritual experience does do that. So thank you for that. Right. I still go to the doctors. I still do my laundry. I mean, I do know people who have like given up, like, given up everything, thrown away or given away all their clothes. And then six months later realized they needed clothes, you know? So I kind of had the ability to change my life. Um, And I feel like what I see is people coming to our yoga center and in those Bible studies and in these spiritual places saying like, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to do this. But how can they do it? Like then they, then the answer, like the answers I've heard is like, you know, just like be a disciple of Christ in the workplace, you know, serve your coworkers like you would serve Christ. Or there's this whole idea of karma yoga, which is about like the yoga of action, you know, like working in the world as a yogi. And I find those answers very dissatisfying. Okay. That's so be careful not to judge. Yeah. (laughs) Because, that should just be permanent uh, advice for me. <laughs> because that could be very satisfying for someone. Okay. okay. That's what my grandfather did. Yeah. But he wanted to my, be a minister. My grandfather wanted to be a minister. Yeah. He had to go to work in the shop. Yeah. So there in the shop, 
I mean, he took pride in his work. He was an electrician for Oldsmobile, which was one of the first electronic deviced cars. They had power windows in the 60s. <laughs> you know, we take that for granted now. Most people were rolling windows. <laughs> he was an electrician for Oldsmobile, which was a, a good job and supported his family and then supported the family that he got married and had a child. But he would tell you his vocation was people. So not only was my grandfather working on electrical elements of a car in the 50s and 60s, he was also taking the Portuguese immigrants that couldn't speak English, teaching them how to to work on the car, to do the job so that they could get a job in the shop, helping them to take their tests or taking their tests for them. Forget that I said that. Um, (laughs) um, But he met them and met their needs. And that's what brought him meaning in his job. So for him, that's exactly what he was, a yogi in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and that brought him great meaning. No, that's actually really helpful. <laughs> you would only do that if you had bills that you had to pay. Yeah. Right. But the other choice. Well, and even then, I would just try to eliminate my bills. Right. Because, <laughs> that would be but that's the other choice. It's, right, it, right. It is called surrender. Yeah. You know, you can't. I mean, one of the big problems of being privileged is to say you can have it all. You can't have it all. There's not, we live in a finite world. Resources will end. Time will end. You know, energy ends. Hours end. I, I just, I can't do everything. And people who tell you that they do do everything, you'll find they have certain things missing in their life. But those things don't necessarily matter to them. You know, you have to find the things that matter to you and fill the majority of your life with them. You know, for you, that means living simply. Right. For someone else, that may mean working four jobs to have enough money to either pay what they have to pay to get that done so that then they can be free to do what they want to do or because they just want the things that money provides for them. Do you and I know that somewhere you can't take it with you? (laughs) And sometime time's going to wipe away all of those things? Yeah, we know that. But if that matters to the person, that's no different than enjoying the building of the sand, you know? But if you're working for four jobs and not spending any time with your family and not going for hikes in the woods and not having any spiritual life and not having any real friendships, I don't know how much of a life that is. And... If it works for you, then great. But if it doesn't work for you, then change. Choose the things that matter to you. I'm glad that paying your bills matter to you because other spiritual leaders have just abandoned that. They said, well, that's my old life. (laughs) Well, 
you just defaulted on ten thousand dollars of loans. You know, <laughs> right? That's, and you're my co-signer, and, then, so. and that's not ethical. <laughs> And that's that's bad karma as right, far as I'm right, concerned. Right. That's karmic debt, you know? Right, right. And that will, yeah, to me, yeah. that will have eternal consequences, sure. even though the physical doesn't really matter. What do you think Jesus would say to that? I mean, he's yeah. saying drop your nets, you know? He didn't say, like, do you still owe on that boat? I mean, there are other times when Jesus called people away. but But go back to that fishing story. Um, Peter and John, I mean, Peter and Andrew, James and John were fishing. And when Jesus called them, it said they left their nets and their boats, plural, with their father and the other servants. (laughs) They weren't individual fishers feeding their families. They were a corporation of fishers, you know? They had the privilege to leave. Wow, that is so interesting. You know, we don't read into that well enough. You know, for them, they didn't abandon their father. You know, how ethical would that have been if their father was elderly and the two of them were the major workers and Jesus said, come and follow me? And they abandon their dad. But what about Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Right, right. He did say that. He did say that. But does he mean that physically? Yeah. If if your parents are dead, why are you still trying to please them? Mm. (laughs) You know, but did he also mean that spiritually? Yeah. You know, Um, why are you living in a past? Mm. You know, when life is here now, he also said, don't worry. Yeah, (laughs) I know. He really did say that. Right? Don't don't be anxious about tomorrow. I can hear Amy saying, but there's a wave coming. (laughs) That is. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about that. I mean, isn't that the interesting thing is like, I feel like so often culturally, at least the the gist I get culturally is like, we pretend like that wave's not coming. Right. Right. And then spiritually, when you realize that wave is coming and you start to really integrate that into your daily life, it's like a holy moly moment, right? Like that wave is coming. But then I think you get to another level, which it sounds like is where you're speaking from, which is like, yeah, the wave is coming. And that's okay. It's going to come no matter what. So we're just going to be here now. And we're going to live for this moment and live for the eternal moment that comes after that wave. Right? Which is what you were talking about. If I live according to the principles of God, in whatever that means to you, I don't have to worry about what will happen tomorrow. Because if I do now what I'm supposed to do now then I will be in the right place to deal with tomorrow. And all I'll have to do tomorrow is to do what I'm supposed to do. I hate it when the Patriots get it right, but do your job. (laughs) Is there, is there major thing? What do I do? Do your job. Just do what you're meant to do right now on this play. And don't worry about the next one. And don't worry about the last one. Just do it now. It's so nice. It's just so nice. It's funny because it's like just so nice to see the other perspective. And it's also nice for me to 
imagine myself that like if I continue down this path, I could get to kind of the place that you are speaking from because it's we're both saying the same thing. The wave is coming. And what I'm saying is like, why the hell are we here digging in the sand? And what you're saying is like, what else are we going to (laughs) do? Like, this is it, right? Like, it's like the wave's coming. We can't stop the wave. But it's it's okay for someone to come to me and say, well, look at that silly little boy playing in the sand. He has no idea that the wave's going to wash that all the way. No, I do have an idea. I'm not going to be devastated when that happens. That's the point. Because Because I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. I'm not building it to be a lasting memory of me. And the things that you are building are beyond the castle and beyond the waves. Right. That's right. I mean, you and I enjoy the great divorce by C.S. Lewis, which is his vision of heaven. Basic premise is live now according to the principles that you think heaven will be. And you'll have a pretty smooth transition. Live now according to this world. And you're going to be in for quite a shock when you try to enter into the heavenly world. And you may find you don't like it at all, and you might leave it. So to me, that's what building on the rock is, is living according to the principles that I think are heavenly. (laughs) Um, Do that on earth. It makes earth as good as it can be for me. And it makes the transition a whole lot more lasting. Yes. You know, I mean, what's the scripture? Anything done for Christ will last. Yeah, and then, and yeah, and if Christ or God or like eternity or yeah, heaven or whatever, is with us right, now, right, will be with us through that transition, right, and will be with us after, right. Then, like, then the wave is no longer this big scary thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and so. I mean, you and your brother are so very different when you look at the future mm-hmm. and, and your, your, your immediate choices in looking at the future. Yeah. You know, if you love to do spreadsheets, if they bring you joy, um, if they bring you meaning, if they make you feel free because you know you have $600 in your family account, which means you can offer your sister help on a flight, then great. Then do that. If planning for the future drives you crazy and makes you focus on things on the wave, then learn to live more simply today. Don't feel like you have to be your brother and don't feel, don't make your brother feel like he has to be you. Right. No, it's, it's, it's really good advice in terms of me as a ministerial student to just remember like not everybody is going to want to give everything up. And also not everybody right. is in distress about that. Yeah. Like not everybody is uncomfortable yeah. with a house and two cars and a job. Yeah. Like some people find comfort and yeah. joy in that. And I, I yeah. just need to support those people and in infusing spiritual like life into that. Right. And if I had to have a mansion and three cars and, and everything that, could possibly come with that, I would have chosen other jobs and I would have done two or three of them to get what I thought mattered. And hopefully I would have found meaning in doing those things and were not devastated when I became the guy in scripture that saved and saved and saved so that he could retire and then he died. (laughs) And everybody else enjoyed what he had saved for. 
Yeah. But it's, again, I'm disappointing because I don't think there's one answer. Yeah, but that's also why you're a great minister. So it's... I hope. Very helpful to learn from. Yeah. That, yeah. And to me, the one answer is find what brings you meaning yeah. and do it. Yeah. And, and if you're the only one that does it, do it more because it brings you meaning and that's the best life. Yeah. I yeah. think. Sounds good to me. So this week, do a, I don't know, find, there has to be, you can Google online, um, happiness charts. <laughs> Take a test and find out how happy you are with your life. And if you're not happy, then take a look at the things that make you the happiest, the most fulfilled. Take one small step towards the things, towards doing the things that make you feel fulfilled. And if you're not happy, repent. What? Jeez. Repent, which means turn away from the things you're doing and turn to the things that would bring you fulfillment. Okay. Repent sounds scary to me. Doesn't mean you're no. doesn't mean you're a sinner. Um repent means to turn away from and turn to. And if you need someone to build a sandcastle, give me a call. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast, and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page, or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time. Mm-hmm.